All right, guys. Uh, here we are the day after UFC 269. Um, Oliveira versus Poirier. Your host, uh, Aries and Trine here to recap an amazing night. Probably one of the more memorable uh, pay-per-views that we have in uh, recent years. So uh, what would you think about the card and just your overall thoughts on UFC 269? Uh, it's the first time that I watched early prelims, prelims, and the main card. Oh, uh, nice. Not the first time ever, but the first time in a long time, just because the whole card from top to bottom was stacked, especially for a hardcore fan. A lot of big names on the card. Even the prelims alone could have been a fight night main card, you know? So, yeah, crazy night, crazy moments. Seemed like those are the underdogs night tonight or last night. And, uh, yeah, I'm just – I haven't watched some of the fights again today just to relive the moment. Pretty crazy stuff. So Yeah, so I know we usually do, uh, you know, recap and do the video the same night of the fights, but I think just how uh, last night turned out for the most of the fights, I, I texted Trey and just wanted to – uh, make sure we got everything right for the episode today. So that's why we're doing it a day later and came prepared to uh, deliver this recap. So uh, we'll start at the at the top of the card. Um, the main event, Charles Dubronx, uh, Oliveira versus uh, Dustin Poirier for the 155 belt. Uh, your thoughts on how the fight went and just everything. Um, it started fast. That was the first thing I noticed within the first two minutes of the fight. The first minute, it was just the pace that they started at was they just got after right away. And they were they were both catching each other, too. That was the crazy thing. Uh, I think Dustin did have the better of the exchanges on the feet. Obviously, Dustin's got some hands. He's got heavy hands. And he heard Charles Oliveira a couple times, I think, in that first round. But, um, yeah, that pace was crazy. I think even the commentators touched on it too. How <laughs> I don't. I think everyone knew right away that it wasn't going to go the distance. Um, if it did go the distance, I don't know. Would have been pretty crazy. I think I know Dustin could have went the distance. I don't know about Charles though, to be honest. But if anything, Charles winning that fight against um, Dustin Poirier, I think it validated him as. Just how good he is, he really is. I think everyone knew he was good, but I, I, you know, he was the underdog coming into the fight, and I don't know if people thought he was ready for someone like Dustin. And yeah, he fought through adversity in the fight. Um, he was even mixing it up really well, from the head to the body to the legs to the ground game. I mean, I think he had a couple submission attempts in there too. And yeah, it was just a validation, if anything, for Charles Oliveira as the champ. I think people realize that he he is a real champ. He's not a fluke, and beating Dustin definitely solidified that. So, but yeah, I don't know. What would you think? I mean, there's so much to dissect with just with these two fighters and leading up to the fight. I mean, nothing but respect, so no bad blood, no drama. It's, I mean, obviously that's what you expect from these two, but yeah, what did you think about yeah. the fight? I wasn't expecting uh, Oliveira to stand in the pocket with uh, Dustin and trade punches, even though he was getting, I think the damage was wearing on Oliveira. I think Dustin's punches were uh, landing heavier and doing more damage. I I didn't expect him to just go back into Dustin's face and just kind of stalk him in a way. So that was really surprising off the bat. Um, Even though he did get rocked in the first, Oliveira was still there, uh, Steady pressure was in his face. But, man, I, I, Dustin even looked at the clock in the first round. So, yeah. I, it does, I think that pace kind of overwhelmed Dustin. I think he was feeling that a uh, little bit of fatigue in it, a little bit. But not too sure. You can, I mean, you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think we both noticed that he was – he did seem like he was breathing a little heavier. I mean, even though every Dustin fight, he usually seems to get there. Like he, He's one of those fighters that always looks tired, I feel like. He always looks pretty tired and beat up, but you're right. He did glance at the clock, and he was taking a lot of deep breaths. And um, he did mention in his post-fight press conference, though, that um, 
he he didn't stick to the game plan like he wanted to. So I do think that um, what you said was right on the money. Is he, he, he? Yeah, I don't think he was anticipating to start that fast, but maybe that was Oliveira's. You know, I mean, because Oliveira seemed like he was he kind of initiated it, and then Dustin responded. But maybe and he I, fell into Oliveira's game plan in that sense. I think uh, I think another thing that kind of threw off Dustin's breathing was. Oliveira was landing some really, really nice body kicks mm-hmm. and, like, kind of throwing that front kick and stabbed the, the midsection. So I knew though those were hurting, especially when they got into the clinch. Charles was getting the better of those exchanges. I know Dustin was landing too, but I think uh, Oliveira was mixing it up, mixing it up um, knees, elbows, body, head. So Everything. I looked yeah. at the stats, and all of Dustin's striking was to the head. And then when you look at Oliveira striking, he had 48 to the head, 22 to the body, 3 to the leg, 18 on the ground, and 17 in the clinch. So just all across the board, Oliveira came with a much more um, just a just a mixed approach as far as his striking. And Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll admit it. I picked Dustin to win. I thought Dustin was going to win. I didn't think uh, Oliveira was going to be durable enough to – take Dustin's punches. And Dustin even mentioned that too. Dustin said the only surprise was how durable Charles Oliveira was because, I mean, we've seen him before get rocked and stuff. And even with the Chandler fight, I mean, he got rocked, but he still came back and he won it. So this is, this seems to be, this seems to be a new Charles Oliveira than what we're used to seeing in the past. You know, I think he had that reputation of kind of quitting in the fight if if it got too tough. And yeah, he, Validation, man. Validation. Respect to Charles Oliveira. And now we just – now he's got the rest of the lightweight division and all the killers in that division coming after him. And it's going to be interesting, man. It'll be interesting. But uh, let me ask you, because uh, round two of this fight was very, very different from round one. Yeah. Um, Dustin kind of taking it off and uh, accepting the – accepting him to be on his back and – you know, Oliver having mount on him. Uh, do you think that was a smart move? I, I know he was just kind of letting Charles do the work and hoping to tire him out, but uh, did, did you like that? I mean. I think it was obviously, I mean, if you don't know Oliver, he's got, what, the most submissions in UFC history? Most submission. Yep. And so, and the last thing you want is someone like Charles Oliveira. I got the long legs. So to get those hooks in is a nightmare for anybody. And so um, I think Dustin did mention, he did mention that, right? That, that he, it was either he goes and goes on the bottom and lets Charles get on top, or he was just scared that Charles would get on his back. I mean, which is what happened at the end, you know, in the end, that's how Charles won the fight is he got on his back. So, I trust Dustin. I trust that Dustin made made the choice that was best for him. But a little bit of controversy that I feel like is being brushed over is um, Joe. Joe kept pointing out during the fight that Charles Oliveira was had his fingers inside of Dustin's glove, and that's why Dustin wasn't able to pull his arm out, and that's why they forced Dustin to go to that position. And uh, some well, someone asked Dustin in the press conference if he felt that and Dustin didn't mention, he was like, yeah, I did think it was weird that I couldn't get my arm out because I didn't understand why I wasn't able to get my arm out. And then they told him that it looked like Charles had a grip on the inside of his glove. So Dustin didn't pay much attention to it. You know, Dustin's not going to make excuses, but I don't know. It is kind of interesting, that little detail, but yeah, I think Dustin did what he had to do to avoid that position. But in the end, Charles still found that position and got it done. So, as yep. a beast. Submission King. But yeah, I mean, just to give uh, some backstory, I mean, Oliveira <clears throat> used to fight at 145 featherweight, mm-hmm. so weight class below. He was 10 and 8, moved up, and now he's 10 and 0 in his last fi- last 10 fights. Yeah. And now he's uh, got his first title defense under his belt. So, he's still young, too, isn't he? What, 20, he's not even 30 yet, is he? I think he's like 29, 30. He might have just hit 30 I feel like or just hovering around 30 early 30s so crazy man it's crazy that he's 
he's gotten to the best version of himself that we've seen at least and timed it so well to where he's the champ at the same time. You know what I mean? Just like the timing of everything. So he's 32 right now. So he's early 30s, which you could argue is his physical prime. So dangerous, man. It's dangerous. But I will say Dana already said next fight's going to be Justin Gaethje. And I, I've been saying it on this podcast for a long time. That's my boy, and I do think he's the best right now in the division. And even though I picked Charles to lose against Dustin, and then I wanted that Dustin Gaethje rematch, I do think Justin Gaethje, when he fights Charles Oliver, <laughs> I think he gets it done, man. I'm just going to say it right now. I think Gaethje's going to be the champ. I think he is. So, I don't know. Oh. I want I, my heart wants to say Justin Gaethje takes that, but um, man, I don't know if Gaethje handles that pace. If if Gaethje was in that in that fight last night with Charles, and that was the same pace in like the first round that they Dustin and Charles fought at, I don't think Justin survives. Really? <laughs> I, yeah, like I because we saw what happened with uh him and Khabib like. Justin yeah. just looked tired with uh, Khabib pushing forward. I mean, I'm not sure Charles is going to have that same pressure, but uh, it's just annoying to have someone constantly in your face and stalking you. So um, it, I hope Gaethje uh, kind of throws leg kicks more and tries to damage Oliver's leg. But, uh, man, Charles is so long too. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I seriously don't know. I'm going to call Gaethje being the champ after that fight. I, I, I believe in him that much. I think he's going to pull it off. I think he'll win. And another interesting thing to look at, at least at least among the lightweight division, so Justin Gaethje has the best uh, striking percentage when it comes to significant strikes. And he leads the division in strikes landed per minute. At seven strikes landed per minute. So... And you know, you know Justin. He doesn't just throw a punch just to like pepper you up a little bit. He's trying. He has bad intentions with a lot of his punches, and he can go the distance too. So, I think, like you said, if because I think the thing that Khabib did was he just kind of kept coming forward, even though Justin was leg kicking him and punching him and all that stuff. I think if Justin can get the respect of Oliveira early on in the fight and kind of get him to back off, I think that'll be a huge. That'll make a huge a huge difference in the fight and the way it could go. But we'll see. This is a Charles Oliveira that we're not used to seeing, and he seems to be yeah, fighting through adversity and not giving up. And, yeah, so we'll see, man. It'll be a hell of a fight. Any fight right now in the light, light division is crazy. It's just too many. There's just so many things going on. So Yeah. Um, Phil Baffert doesn't know. Yeah. Second, his second fight for the title, and it ends the same way of him getting choked out. Same same submission too. So, um, yeah, feel bad for Dustin. I don't know what is in his future if he wants to fight his way back into title contention again and redo this whole process. But I don't know. You know, we touched on this a couple episodes ago too. Well, several episodes ago. I think after the last Connor fight, you know, he did mention in his press conference that he didn't. He doesn't enjoy the process, and everyone hates practice in their sports. You know, no one likes to practice, but he just the way he came off the fight, he and a lot of the things he was saying, it just seemed like he wasn't as into it. I think you and I both said that, like it just didn't seem like he was into it anymore. And he might be fading out as far as his passion and fire goes. So I don't know. I I, th- I honestly believe we're going to be seeing Dustin step away from the sport pretty soon. I honestly don't even know if he's going to fight again. Um, but he's got so much going on now, you know, with his hot sauce business and just everything. Just business-wise, he's made he's made his money. He has his business ventures. And so, I don't know. Might be seeing one of the greats step away pretty soon. So, yeah. So, um, that does it for the main event. Uh, Try and we'll introduce the co-main. The yes, biggest please. upset in <laughs> UFC history. If you don't think that this is the biggest upset, then you you probably just started watching back in like 2016 when Conor McGregor was big on the scene. But yeah, this is hands down, and I'll debate with anybody. This is hands down the biggest upset in UFC history. Amanda Nunez versus Juliana Pena. 
crazy odds, crazy, crazy odds, huge <laughs> favorite. Um, I don't know anyone except for Liz that chose Juliana Pena to win. I, I guess I, f- I found out later that Michelle Watterson picked Juliana Pena to win. <laughs> so her and her husband like put uh, money on Juliana's, which is crazy. So I'm sure they won a lot. But anyways, crazy fight. Watched it again today, an hour before the podcast. Still get chills watching it. Break it down, man. Break it down. Two round fight. Not that long, but still a lot a lot happened. Man, um I think the fight started off how Amanda wanted it to. Yeah. Um doing some damage to Pena's leg with leg kicks, calf kicks. Um scared. Yeah, again. Again, like um Pena standing it, not being afraid, not taking a step back when she gets hit by Amanda's punches which Amanda's uh, opponents beforehand would get touched once and they just cradle up into a fetal position and let Amanda do what she wants. But, I, I mean, props to Pena for being strong and just standing in the pocket with Amanda, which is crazy. Um, but Pena had a real highlight in this uh, round towards the end when she was on the ground and she was on her back. Uh, she was kind of threatening Nunez with like a Kimura so Amanda can um you know progress in her her guard and get to mount so I mean she really had some highlights in the in that round in the first round and then the second round came and all hell broke loose yeah, <laughs> I crazy. mean that Nunez got Nunez wasn't being Nunez she got hit by a few punches and just broke character, I think, and panicked yeah. and um, gassed herself out and lost the belt. So, biggest underdog on the card and probably ever in UFC history to get the upset. Yeah, the two underdogs in the co and the main event, both won. And uh, I think it's just it's important to know. I mean, everyone seems pretty confident going into the fight. Like, everyone talks to trash, and they always think that they're the one – Everyone thinks that they're the main character or whatever. But <clears throat> I think a, a good example of how a lot of Amanda Nunez's fights go is the Megan Anderson fight. You know, I think everyone could see on Megan Anderson's face that she was like, oh, shit. Like, she, she's, like, scared. She looked terrified. As soon as, as soon as she started to feel that power and strength of Amanda, she looked like she wanted to leave right then and there. And so, and I, we haven't even seen her since the fight, since that fight. I don't even know where she is anymore, but. Yeah, she's off the UFC though. Like, yeah, she's off. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And I think that's, that was what's different about uh, Juliana Pena. She, I mean, a lot of these fighters talk the talk, but you can tell they don't believe what they're saying. They're just trying to, you know, they're just trying to say what they have to say. But in that first round, just like you mentioned, even though. You know, Amanda Nunez threw some pretty tough leg kicks and kicked her legs out a couple times. Um, she did not seem phased at all. Not for not for, for not one second did Pena seem scared or afraid or intimidated. And I think I think we saw that. I think if you if you know the fight game and you know how these fights go and you're used to watching fights like this, I think like me and you, I think we noticed that in that first round. We're like, okay, I think this is going to be a fight. Especially with how it ended, like you said, with uh, Juliana getting the arm and trying to work that Kimura, you could see Amanda go crap for 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 a little bit. She seemed a little worried. So yeah, it's gonna. Um, it was just, yeah, the whole night's crazy. One of the biggest moments that's gonna be played over and over and over again, probably for years to come. And uh, yeah, just like you said, also that second round, crazy. That left jab. She just kept sneaking that left jab in there. And Yeah. The timing of it though, like I think she just kinda caught off caught a, a Nunez off guard with the timing and stepping in and throwing that looping uh the the overhand right or left that would land. So I was freaking out, dude. Amanda was just laughing at me while I was freaking out, it was pretty funny, but I was just so hyped. Every left jab that she landed was just like I was like, I was just, I just got more and more like, 
I just started believing it more. I'm like, oh, dude, she's going to do it. She's going to do it. And then there was one where she caught, I think she did a left, right. And she caught her, she caught Amanda really good. And you could tell it stunned her. I think it was right before she pushed her up against the cage. And that's when everyone was like, oh, crap. So, oh, man, it was insane. Um, but you are right. I, I, you, know, you mentioned that Amanda just kind of all technique and everything just went out the window. You could tell. And, uh, yeah, she fell on the Juliana game. You know, you know what that fight reminded me of was uh, Nunez versus yeah. Cyborg. Because that wasn't Cyborg's ideal game plan was to just stand on the stand and trade with Amanda, but she got she panicked because she got rocked and just got uncharistic with her with her punches. But um, yeah, man, I think that like that fight and that win just proved to a lot of people, maybe who are underdogs in this sport, just like yeah, I can, yeah. like I can take out the big dog in my division, or you know, kind of give them that belief. So, man, what a moment in the sport and just in sports in general, like amazing. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, man, it was insane. I mean, the Rose now the Eunice one that, that was always that was a beautiful moment when she won the first time when she beat John. Because Lady, um, be, yeah, because I didn't watch uh, Anderson Silva versus Whiteman one, so I didn't watch it. I just heard about it. But watching this upset, like, man, it, it was special. Yeah, inspiring to the younger fighters, and I think it also shows. I've always thought it was an underrated aspect of the fight game that people don't talk about. But being able to not only stick to your game plan but execute it is, like, such a big thing. Like, I think obviously when we look at Juliana and Amanda next to each other, Amanda is obviously the more impressive athlete. She's stronger. She's bigger. She's more explosive, you could even say. Maybe her gas tank isn't there, but the way that Juliana was able to stick to her game plan and pretty much lure Amanda into the game plan and just like execute it to a T. I mean, this is, it was everything she said she was going to do. She literally said she was going to do this. She was going to take Amanda to deep waters, make her tired, tap her out. And she did exactly that. And it was crazy. She didn't even have the, the hooks sunk in when she choked her and Amanda still tapped. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, that's the crazy part. She just choked her. Yeah. I mean, with pure strength. Just so. choked her. No legs. Um, Pena goes on in the conference uh, later that night to – I mean, she's willing to give Amanda Nunes the rematch, which is I think is the correct way yeah. to go about it. But uh, also announced that she wants to get other rematches mm-hmm. in um, against Valentina Shevchenko and um, – yeah, Jermaine Duran to me, so. Yeah, I mean, big fights for Pena to come. Probably the Nunez number two. Um, they're going to run it back, I think. Dude, imagine she beats Valentina. Then she, then she beats Amanda and Valentina. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about yeah. Juliana being. I mean, do we? Do we talk about her being a GOAT, possibly? If she, if she has wins over those two, I don't know. We have to be because the those two, like Valentina and Amanda, are like at the prime goat status. It, like to beat them in this day and age is, it's insane. Like I don't care who Pena has lost to, if she beats those two, like yeah. you have to, like. But yeah, you have to. With that, with how dominant those two have been, and for Juliana to beat them both, yeah, you have to. I mean, she and she has a loss against Valentina already. You know, just like you said, she she wants to avenge that loss, and I think it was a decision, if I remember correctly. It, was, it didn't. She didn't get finished. I don't think. I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. Maybe she got submitted. Uh, I think I she know. got submitted by Jermaine Durandamy, but I think she went to decision with Valentina. But anyways, crazy fight. I'll probably watch it again after this. After we close the podcast, I'll probably watch. it. That second, I'll probably watch that second <laughs> round again. Too. Oh, it was crazy to watch. You saw Michael Chiesa. <laughs> you see him? Did you see him? <laughs> so I saw the clip. Um, I, actually, I, I heard about it in the press conference, and then I watched a clip. <laughs> oh man! When he jumped over, and he like ran up, like he jumped over the gate. Yeah. 
apparently he's teammates with uh, Juliana Pena, so he was trying to get in the cage and he was wasted. I felt bad the way Dana was explaining it. Looks like he felt pretty bad. It looks like he fell on his ass when he tried to hop the Dana said he 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 actually hurt himself (laughs) and he actually had to go to the hospital. I think. And yeah, he said he was he said he was wasted though. But good old Michael Kielsen, man, doing some 360 flips. He's probably at the skate park right now. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, those are the two main uh, main fights for 269. Um, we'll just skim over the next one. Uh, Jeff Neal again, the decision went over uh, mm-hmm. Ponzinibbio. Um, for both of them. Big fight for yeah. both of them. Yeah, it was, good, it was a good fight. Uh, good fight. Um, that was a fight for me to like kind of go refill or <laughs> yeah. get another drink, come back and kind of take a break because the first two fights of the card, which we're we'll getting to right now, were just explosive. So to move on to the next fight, we got um, Cody Garbrandt making his flyweight debut versus a uh, Kai Kara France. Mm. <laughs> I know, I know. Trans hurt, so we'll let we'll let try and talk about it. I have a lot of faith in Cody, and I always, I always represent Cody on this podcast. But man, it was just not him. He just didn't seem himself. Um, and the crazy thing was, when the fight started, it was very apparent how big Cody was for that division. He just looked huge. He looked huge. Keep in mind, he's this is a one thirty five er and a one twenty five er fighting. So neither of them were that big, but yeah, Cody looked a lot bigger. Um, Kai had the reach advantage. Surprisingly, I didn't know he had that big of a reach advantage, which I thought was crazy. But yeah, um, first round KO, Kai found his chin, and I mean, whatever chin is left, Askren even said <laughs> he tweeted. I don't know if you saw, but Askren was like, "Man, his chin is gone," and it's true. Cody, Cody just doesn't have a chin anymore. He's just. He's been rocked too many times, and he's just been knocked out now too many times. And they're, they're not just any knockout, too. They're pretty bad. So, yeah, Kai was just patient. He picked his shots carefully. He used that reach. He controlled distance, and he just he just got Cody. And Cody seemed a little timid. If, I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know what you think, but I feel like Cody seemed a little, a little timid. He seemed a little hesitant. I mean, he said he only he only landed nine punches in that round, nine, and he only threw seventeen, and that was like half of what Kai threw, which is kind of interesting because Cody, you know, Cody's he's a scrapper and he likes to punch and he likes to box, and so it was it was kind of interesting. It was sad for me to watch. I think I think it was kind of sad for everyone, especially you know, since it was supposed to be his big debut at the flyweight division and. Cody's this big name, so big win for Kai though. Huge win. My boy got the bonus. City kickboxing celebrating their boy Kai. You saw that video that Dan Hicker posted. <laughs> yeah, I was tired for to see oh, yeah. him celebrating yeah. with him because he got that one of the six or seven performance night uh, performance bonuses for last night, which I think is well deserved for all those guys. But, but yeah, man. I think I think the big question is, well, what what for Kai now? Because the flyweight division, there's a lot going on, and there's names popping up now. And Kai's up there in the mix. So what's next for him, and then also what's next for Cody? So for both of them, but yeah, what do you think? So with Kai, he's actually calling for the title fight or the winner of uh, Brandon Moreno, Davison Figueredo, which is kind of crazy. I mean, I know he just beat a big name. But I mean, you got killer. You got killers at rank number two and three. That if they don't fight, I think Kai Car friend should fight Askarov or Pantoja for that number one contender spot. Actually, do they have um, anything booked? Do those two have? Anything I booked, I don't think they. Dan- is everyone waiting? Hmm. Yeah, I think everyone's waiting right now. Um, yeah, I thought Moreno was gonna fight Pantoja, but. They booked a trilogy fight with Figueredo. So those two are just waiting, which I think they should fight or one of them should fight Kai. Yeah. Um, I, so that should be sorry, next yeah. for Kai. I was just going to say, I, felt like, I feel like Kai is one fight away. I do feel like he still has one more fight before the title. 
But then I started thinking, and I was like, if Cody won, would they have given him the title shot? That's crazy. Absolutely. So, so then I, I, I agree with that, too. If Cody would have won, I think he would have been next in line for the, for the title shot. And so that's what made me think. I'm like, maybe Kai isn't so crazy for asking for that title shot. Though. I mean, obviously, he's not as big of a name. But considering that they most likely would have given the title shot to Cody if he would have won, maybe he's not too crazy for asking for it. But still, when Dana was told that Kai asked for a title shot, Dana laughed. So I don't think he's going to get a title shot. At least not the next the next title shot. So we'll see. Uh, if you're wondering why people are listening to this, it's the fight game. The names make money. Yeah. They sell pay per views. So that's why Cody yeah, would have got the division. title I mean, shot. We think Justin Gaethje is going to fight for the belt next, but Conor McGregor is probably going to fight for it next. For <laughs> if Conor tells Dana he's ready, Conor is going to be fighting for the belt. It's just funny. James was making that joke on Twitter too. James was like. Next in line for the title, like Conor McGregor. <laughs> it's true, man. Conor's always right there. He's always one. He's always one fight away. No matter where he is on the ranking, he's always one fight away. So, yeah. Um, but to talk about the future for uh, Cody Garbrandt, um, I I like I I I agreed and I like this move down to flyweight. Um, I think he did it right, but. I didn't know about all of his injuries that he was battling uh, this this year. Um, so I'm hoping he takes like almost a year, or maybe eight months to just heal his chin and his body. Any injuries that are lingering into this fight. I hope he just rests his body. Um, but I think he should stay at flyweight. I like some fights for him at flyweight. We got um, – I know Matt Schnell was supposed to fight uh, Alex Perez this on this card, but it didn't happen. So I think if they don't rebook that, uh, Matt Schnell would be a great fight. Or if they really want to push this fighter's name in the flyweight division, we got Manel Cop or Manel Cape. I think if they want to get more attention on him because he is blazing right now, he's on fire, I think you should make that. Um Ranked number 14 in the flyweight versus Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, I, I so, agree with you. I like him at flyweight. And yeah. Whether he's at flyweight or bantam, he's a big name. He's, he, he'll always be a big name, whether it's good or bad, whether he's known as a loser or a winner or whatever. But, yeah, he's he's got options for sure. So, But I do agree with you with what you said as well. He needs to take some time off. I don't know, man. I, I wonder if there's something going on outside of the cage or in his training camps or – if his approach could be better to to preparing, I don't know. It makes me wonder. So, but I'm still a fan, man. Still a fan. Yeah, and I was still my boy. <clears throat> and and the fight too. I was I was very um, confused on why because Garbrandt is known as such a great boxer. I was wondering why he wasn't using his footwork to kind of close distance and get in yeah. getting close and. I don't know. Kind of use that footwork that we saw versus uh, like Dominic Cruz. Like it was crazy that fight. Um, yeah, just uh, just a little. Yeah, just a little bit of that. I mean, I was wondering why he wasn't just switching, making stances. Uh, just kind of make things complicated with mm-hmm. how great of a boxer he is. So yeah, it was tough. It was tough to watch because I always refer Cody. So yeah. It's all good. I think the future's still bright for Cody, and the future's definitely bright for Kai. So, it'll be exciting to see what what Kai does next. Um, hopefully, Cody figures out what he needs to figure out. But speaking about Cody's old division, though, the bantamweight division, that first fight of the card, it was it was a good way to start. Especially starting with the Sugar Show. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong with that. Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Great fight against Paiva. Real test, in my opinion. But, yeah, it's kind of your boy, too, you know. What did you think about that fight? Uh, O'Malley, that was O'Malley's toughest test, and he passed with flying colors. Um, I thought – uh, Paivo's doing what he needed to was just being in his face and 
trying to close distance, which is hard on someone with the footwork of O'Malley. But I mean, that's what he needed to do. But O'Malley's just long length and his his uh, his jab and just his footwork can uh, play with people's minds and the way they see things. So constantly, yeah, which works to his advantage. I think he does it right because his arsenal is so deep. His feints do have a purpose. You know what I mean? It's not like he's just fainting for no reason. Like people, yeah. When he faints, people actually have to react because he could throw spinning heel kick. He could throw a body kick. He could throw anything really. I mean, he just yeah. He got a bag. He got a bag for sure. So. And it's and it's it's crazy because you don't see a lot of fighters welcoming pressure and willing to fight off their their back leg or the back foot like going backwards and throwing off their back foot and while walking backwards. But O'Malley seems to land better when he's walking backwards than forwards, which is crazy. So, um, yeah, yeah, he made that, he made that test look easy. Um, like kind of going back to Cody, like that whole press conference they did a few days before the fight, man, that just made Cody look (laughs) so much worse. Like, Cody, Cody losing and then yeah. O'Malley winning like that. It, it just, really did. Oh, I man. felt bad. But O'Malley in his, in his press conference, he was he was he was classy. They asked him about Cody. He didn't say nothing, which I respected. And all he said was, "It'll probably be a, neck, a rough next couple of days, weeks, months, whatever it is for Cody." But I have nothing to say. So I was like, "That's cool, man. Respectful." So, yeah. So O'Malley puts himself as like a superstar in the sport, which I think talent wise. Yes. But I think he he needs to let his personality out a little bit more or, um, you know, which is, which is cool. I mean, he's, he's great the way he is right now, but if you want to talk about superstar and Connor status, I think Connor's personality and his big talk got him to these money fights and the got him to where he's at right now. So, his skills are amazing, but if he really wants to headline a card, maybe, you know, we gotta, you gotta, gotta talk a little bit. So I did business, like how he so. said that. Though. That was a pretty dope quote. That's gonna be used for for highlight tapes of his to come. You hear what he said about that? People were asking about. People were just asking about no, no. you know, like, you know, how do you handle all the critique from everybody, all the hate and blah blah, and. He doesn't really – it doesn't seem to phase him at all. He doesn't care. I mean, he's part of that younger generation. You know, he's 27 years old. He likes to troll people. He likes to mess with people's heads. You know, the fact that he still kind of says he's undefeated, like, bugs the crap out of so many people. And he knows that. He knows that it bugs people. <laughs> but he – I love I love when Bruce Buffer is doing his thing and he, and he holds up the zero every time he says his record. Do you notice that? Oh, it cracks me up every time. But yeah. um, he has that perfect personality, kind of that, like – I don't know. He just handles the the critique and criticism really well. But he said, he was like, you know, whether people like me or hate me, they're going to be watching me. And then he was like, he said, I'm in the fight business. All these other fighters are in the fight game. That's what he said. And he's like, I'm I'm a businessman Mm. that's good at fighting, is what he said. And I was like, okay. 27 years old making moves, I see. But I I think that him saying that, it really does show where his mind is and his head is. And People are going to get on him for fighting unranked opponents and not fighting anyone ranked yet, but he's doing it, he's doing it right. He's doing what boxers do, you know. He's building up his record, fighting unranked opponents, taking his time, making money while he's doing it. He's only 27 years old, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's very few people that have been that young to achieve what he's achieving right now and to kind of set up his path to be as big as what he's going to be, you know? So, but you're right. I think if his next fight has to be like a co-main event on a pay-per-view, it has to be. I mean, O'Malley is finally in the top 15 and is going to have a number by his name. Yeah, he definitely will. Um. So, which is great. So, he's finally a ranked fighter. So, um, you got anything else on this fight no, man, before we move on to the prelims? Or hundred percent O'Malley that fight, and yeah, 
I think everyone's, whether you like him or hate him, everyone's excited to see what he's going to do next. So I know I am. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's the main card for UFC 269. Because the card was so stacked, uh, we'll just run through these prelims and some of the early prelims, some of the performances from the winners. Um, to uh, We got Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige. Yo, Josh Emmett. Josh Emmett might have one of the best hands in that uh, division. It, dude, is so it is so fast. It is so crazy. Too. It's just, I don't know. Just his whole demeanor and his look, he just looks, he's, a, he's an intimidating dude. I mean, even when I watch him fight, I'm like, no thanks, you know? But then I got to remember he's only 145, so he's like, yeah, I don't know. He's, still, he's a small guy, but yeah, he's, he's powerful, strong, powerful. Just like you said, he's got he's got those hands. And that was a close fight. I mean, it was a split decision, right? It was a split. Uh, oh, no, yeah, it was unanimous. Never mind. You're right. Yeah. Unanimous decision. Yeah. And uh, um, I think uh, Josh Emmett, there is a name that should be there. It's ooh, Arnold Allen. Yeah. I think Josh Emmett and Ar- Arnold Allen should fight. The two fighters in the top ten of the featherweight division of people don't <laughs> was, know. So <laughs> I think yeah. I think I think it's good. So but um we we're gonna go into yes. depth about this next fight because it's our guy Dominic Cruz showed up, vintage Cruz versus uh Pedro Munoz. Uh your thoughts on his performance, what you saw in they the fight and every, fight everything tonight, which is well deserved. I got I was terrified in that first round. Cruz was hurt bad. Rex did a good job. I believe he did a good job because Cruz, he was still scrambling and defending himself, and he grabbed onto the leg, tried to get that single. So, uh, yeah, for him to come back, it was a hell of a comeback. And just like you said, vintage Cruz, he looked great. He looked great. After, like that second, third round, he looked great. He was moving. He was sticking Pedro. Still doesn't have power in the hands, but he was still – He's looking good, but that now that you say that, like some of those punches <laughs> had some had some. Uh, yeah, man, they had a little yeah, power in those. Surprised. I was like, damn. And I think it was just the accuracy of them. You know, even though his punches and his kicks seem so wild and the angles are so weird that they, they're just so unconventional. Which I mean, anyone that is familiar with Cruz's fights, that's just his style. Yeah, he the, he was landing those punches in the right spots, right on the chin. So I do think there were some – there were definitely times where he had him rocked or stunned him a little bit, you know. So, But um, I think uh, just how great of a performance he had, I think we're finally seeing Dominic Cruz healthy. Yes. Like his whole body is healthy because um, he's battled in- injuries over the last like five years coming into the UFC. So I think we're finally seeing a really healthy body and mind of – Dominic Cruz and it's showing in his last two performances. It's, it's going to be interesting, man, because he's been around for so long and because we're such big fans to see what happens next. Because, I mean, I'm reading the rankings right now. Cody's not in the division anymore. I mean, if we, if we look at who's coming off some losses right now, you know, you got Corey Sandhagen and Rob, Rob Font. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if he'll fight any of those. I I do know people asking about an Aldo fight. I don't know if I don't know. If, I think Dominic Cruz said he's open to it, but I think he he said he also said he really wants Henry Cejudo again. <laughs> That's who he wants to fight again is Henry Cejudo, is what he said. And uh, but I don't know, man. What do you what do you think should be next for Dominic Cruz? Do you think he should fight Rob Font or Corey Sandhagen or a push for the Aldo fight, or should he fight maybe someone a little closer than that? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So. Yeah, Cruz versus Rob Font. I would love that fight, and I, I love that fight for Cruz. Um, I'm scared of Saint Corey Sandhagen, even though they kind of like have the same mannerisms and their body kind of flows kind of the same way. They like it looks like Corey kind of took a took a page out of Cruz's book the way he fights in his movements. So that would be a fun fight stylistically, but I don't want that for Cruz because Corey's so scary. Um, and I think Aldo should just wait for the winner of Peter Yan and, um, Aljamain Sterling, but, um, 
or Aldo fights TJ while he waits. But I don't know. What if we see oh, yeah, uh, right. Cruz Dillashaw? Uh... <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. I would love to see that again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's possible, but yeah, I like Rafant or a Dillashaw, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Just another great story, though. The Cruz story, man. It's just crazy how long he's been around, the adversity he's fought through, what he's come back from. And to be, I mean, everyone thought, especially after that last fight, everyone thought it was like, okay, Cruz is done. And then he comes back like this and wins a fight like this in this fashion. Crazy, man. Crazy. Excited for him, man. One of my favorite fighters of all time. So, excited. Nice. Um, next fight we'll talk about. We got a uh, man, Mark Hunt two point <laughs> and uh, Tai Tuivasa knocking out um, Augusta Sakai in the second round. I think this is a uh, Tuivasa's fourth knockout in a row. So he's on a nice little mm-hmm. winning streak. He will be in the rankings of the heavyweight division uh, come Monday or Tuesday when they do the rankings. But, oh, Mr. man, Ty's here. And I'm pretty sure he got COVID <laughs> off that shoey. Um, that's, that's disgusting. That, I don't, that's that's freaking disgusting. After he wins, but he always does like five more shoeys as he's leaving the arena. You know? I don't know if you've seen that, but. I wonder how, wh- how wasted he's on his way out. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how wasted. Yeah, I wonder how wasted he is once he gets to the locker room. <laughs> or just how drunk he is when he gets to the locker room finally and probably does another shoey, but wild. um wild. man. Ty Ty got Ty got hands and put away uh which I thought was gonna be a tougher fight for him, but Sakai letting me down again. <laughs> um Did you pick Sakai? Yeah, I did. <laughs> It's tough. I mean, Ty seems to be yeah. more calculated. He seems to be picking his punches more. You know, I think that's one of the adjustments he's made, and that's why he's on the streak now. He's 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 definitely coming for that that most beloved fighter spot, though. I mean, people love the guy, so he's just one of those guys you can't hate, really, and never disrespectful. Always there for a good time. He's like the Rob Gronkowski of the UFC. It seems like so. <laughs> I left a comment on someone's post, and I was like, imagine I mean, those two at the same party. That would be a crazy party. Rob and Ty. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't ever hear the crowd get loud for someone off the prelims like this. Like, it, yeah. Until you heard the song favorite, he came out so. to? <laughs> he came out to Barbie. No. Right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, he came out to that. People were asking him why he came out to it. And he was like, because I'm a Barbie girl, that's why. That was pretty funny. He's... <laughs> so, what are you going to say about it? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Good, good for Ty. Good for Ty, for sure. Represent the culture. So, uh, since he's going to have a ranking by his name uh, in a few days, I think Tui Vasa versus Tom Aspinall is a great matchup to make. Uh, Tom Aspinall is a great prospect in the heavyweight division. Great boxing. So, uh, Tui Vasa versus Tom Aspinall. I'm going to put it out there right now in the yeah, world. Yeah, you're so. right. I didn't even realize that uh, Sakai was ranked number 11. So, that's a jump for sure. That's a jump. He could be fighting some in the top 10. Man. He should, probably, after that fight. Or, um,. Or Ty Burrow is right there at number nine. So either of those two would be a great fight for um, yeah. Tui Vasa. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, next next fight, uh, Bruno Silva knocks out Jordan Wright. Oh, my goodness. So Jordan Wright was doing great in the first round, but, like, right before he got hit, like, leg, like kicks to the body. I think they were landing beautifully on Silva, but. I knew once Wright tried to stand and throw close with uh, Silva, it was night-night. Wright did the chicken dance and the head bouncing off the <laughs> canvas, and it was bad. Started good and bad. <laughs> it was it's bad. Quick one and a half minutes in that first round. Uh, I'll let you talk about um, another impressive performance. Andre Munez 
submits uh eric anders if you want to talk about that or what you saw from he's a beast he's a he'll forever be known as the guy who submitted and broke shankaray's arm first of all that's his claim to fame but yeah he's just he just seems like a problem he seems like he's gonna be a problem um he's aggressive in his style he can obviously he can submit. He can grapple his ass off. If, if you're breaking Jacare Souza's arm, then you know you can grapple with the best of them. So yeah, I don't know. I think he might find himself. I think after something like this, he should find himself at least on on a main card, maybe on a fight night. I don't know. We'll see. But he's someone to look out for for sure. He's athletic and yeah, he's just an animal in there. Kind of, he's just one of those fighters. Like you can tell, he's got yeah. a fire. He's got a fire, and he's just aggressive when he's in there. He's just, he's coming for you, man. So, yeah. So that's a scary uh, middleweight, Andre Munez, yeah. to look out for. Um, I want to skip the women's flyweight flyweight fight because we'll talk about that last, and we'll just talk about uh, Ryan Hall uh, beating uh, Derek Minner. Um. Yeah, uh, you saw the rolls. <laughs> you saw it go. Oh, man. You saw the awkwardness. Uh, <laughs> and, and, Sorry, go ahead. We, go ahead. I'll, I'll ask you, but just keep going, bro. If if Ryan Hall had just like an average striking game, this man would be like the craziest fighter on the roster. But oh man, he, I get scared when he's like fights strikers like Mariner and you know. Anytime he gets touched, I do get think, scared. Okay, but, do you think he practices those, like those little rolls that he does after he gets punched? Like, do you think he makes it? Because like, oh, I thought he got like knocked out like five different times, but he was just rolling because it's like he's falling to make the fighter think that he's rocked, and then he rolls, and as the fighter is trying to jump on him, he grabs their leg. I'm like, I, I think he practices that because he did it so many times against Derek Minner, and it worked. He, He's got crazy. to. He just like lets his body go limp and he rolls and acts like he's knocked out. I'm just like, dude, it's such a strange style, but and it's, it it's it work. Yeah. And he has one loss on his record, and I think his last fight where he tried to do that with versus uh, Tapura, he tried to do that same roll, but his arm got caught, and then he just left himself open, and Tapura just landed shots on his chin and. He went yeah. to sleep for real, but <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, if, I do wonder if that's the way to be Ryan Hall, though. If 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 you just have to be, because Tapura was just like aggressive. He just went after it. He just didn't wait. He didn't think. He didn't hesitate. He just jumped right into Ryan Hall's guard and just like hammer fisted right away. It's pretty much what he did. So, and and, <clears throat> and it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy too because uh, Tapura was really ready for those roles and to defend those roles too, which is crazy because yeah. we have never seen anyone defend those roles, but yeah, I mean, Ryan, I love seeing a Ryan Hall on the card. I'm always going to tune in. So, I mean, great win for him. There's so much hype behind him though. Like there's, there's so much, but, hype for, you know, he's, oh, he's, yeah. the, he's always been known for anyone who's a, a real fan of MMA and UFC. And he's just known as this, like he's people call him a wizard and they say he's like a genius in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and, but I don't know. I guess you know this isn't just jujitsu; it's MMA. So I don't know. Maybe he's refined that style a little more, and that's what we saw last night. But yeah, well, I'm, I'd love to see who he fights next and see if he comes with that same approach. See if he gets better. Be cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Ryan Hall gets the uh, unanimous decision win over Derek Minner, and we'll just end this uh, UFC two sixty nine recap. With this impressive mm-hmm. performance by Aaron Blanchfield, she fights uh, Miranda Maverick. Uh, Maverick stepping in on a maybe like a month notice. She was uh, Blanchfield was supposed to fight um, Macy Barber, but Barber pulled out. Maverick steps in, and she gets yeah, she worked. worked. I, I didn't know anything about Aaron Blanchfield. Aries told me she was a beast, and I just picked Miranda Maverick because I, I didn't know anything about Blanchfield. But yeah. Blanchfield's a problem. He's a problem. And after seeing what she did to Miranda last night, I would have loved to see her fight Macy. That would have been a good fight. That would have been a crazy fight probably. Um, but Blanchfield's all business. And she's only 22 years old. 
She's only 22. She can grapple. She, she grapples like she's been yeah, man. an Olympic wrestler or something. I don't even know. Just like the way she can position her body and use her weight and just everything. And she got strength. You know, she's kind of a stockier build. So she looks like a grappler. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was crazy to see Blanchfield, like, just control someone – like with a thick and just dense yeah. body, like Miranda Maverick on the ground, and just yeah, just the way she had with her in the grappling. Um, I think Blanchfield has a, has a good enough <coughs> striking to kind of mix things up and make it hard for the fighters to kind of keep distance. So, um, yeah, two and zero in the UFC, Aaron, Aaron Blanchfield, and um. Yeah, I think she's gonna make some serious noise, man. Um, yeah, she's just both, well, both of them yeah. really. I mean, I think last year Miranda Maverick, you know, all the commentators were talking and the analysts, and they were saying that she was, they were predicting her to be a future champ in the flyweight division. And uh, now we're just seeing all this young talent in that flyweight division, which is great because that's what that's what, not just that division, but just. Um, women's MMA in general. We need more big names and we need more superstars. We need more talent. And it is, it's definitely, yeah. You got these young, these young fighters who are coming up, not just training, you know, in one thing, but they're actually training MMA too. So actually training mixed martial arts, not just Muay Thai, not just Jiu-Jitsu, not just wrestling, but they're actually doing mixed martial arts training. So yeah, this uh, new young kids coming up, man. Making noise for sure. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, Aaron Blanchfield, keep a name out, keep an eye out for that name. Um, but yeah, that's our recap for UFC 269. Um, we got some uh, UFC news, just a few headlines just to go over. Um, and yeah, that'll be it for the episode. But to kind of finish off with the fight news. Uh, some big fight news, actually. Uh, Tyron Woodley replaces Tommy Fury versus Jake Great. Paul. And Jake Paul versus Woodley, number two, is happening this Saturday, December 18th. And I don't know if I'm going to pay for that, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to pay for no, that. No, not at all. I do want to see what happens because I don't know, man. I think I think you and I both are kind of the same. It's like Woodley's so frustrating to watch sometimes and disappointing, especially as of lately because he's so like gun shy. It seems like just doesn't want to pull the trigger. But I don't know. It's like I think we're all, we're all just hoping that he just goes in there and fights like he fought in the Vicente Luque fight and just lets it go. You know what I mean? But um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, man. But if he loses to Jake Paul again, come on, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't be bad if he loses again. Even if you win, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to do a trilogy fight? Like, I'm hoping... I <laughs> I mean, I'm wondering if, like, he just spent all his money from the first fight and just needed some more money and just stepped in, or he really wants to take this serious, and uh, I don't know. Boxing just has this uh, this thing on it and just thinks yeah. that everything is fixed and everything is just <clears> for, <throat> you know, so I hope it's not, you know, I'm a believer that's not, but... Never we'll know with the boxing, but yeah, I guess that's cool. I don't know, whatever. Do your thing, Tyron. Do your thing. Yeah. Um, next headline, which is very, very interesting. This is kind of old, but we forgot to talk about it last episode. Um, Dan Hooker um, was a light, lightweight, uh, moving down to featherweight, one forty-five. Uh, uh, your thoughts I think on it, that? If he can make the cut healthily, I think it suits him well. Um, you know, when you look at the featherweight division, I mean, the top, top 10, top 10 fighters in the, in the featherweight division, they're all very strike heavy with the exception of Brian Ortega, but even Brian Ortega, I mean, that's, you see his game shifting more towards striking now, you know, he's trying to box more. He's throwing in kicks, elbows, all sorts of stuff. So for someone like Dan Hooker, He's got that kickboxing Muay Thai style. He's all about striking and just getting in there and mixing it up. And I mean, if he doesn't have to worry about grappling or wrestlers or anything like that, I think it suits him really well. Stylistically, there's a lot of good fights for him. And 
Yeah, it'll be. I'm just trying to. I'm waiting to see who his first fight gonna be. That's what I want to see. Who is his first fight gonna be? Because I mean, they have to give him a top ten. I can only yeah. So. And Dan Dan Hooker has, uh, I think, name value. I would say even. So he he should get a nice name in the 145 for his first fight. So. Um. So uh, a fight announcement, um, number 13, ranked number 13, Armand Sharukian versus uh, ranked number 15, Joel Alvarez, booked for February 26th next year. Um, if you guys don't know already, I'm really high on uh, Armand, so I think this is an easy fight for him. I think he just blows past Alvarez and, uh, yeah, gets a bigger plate. What so. division is that? Uh, one fifty-five. Oh shoot! <laughs> to, if you could, if you could throw your name in the mix with all those big names in the one fifty-five division. Good for you, man. Because seriously, as soon as you break that top ten, I mean, everyone in there in that top ten is a pretty decent name. It's a good fight. And yeah, there's some life-changing opportunities in there. So it'll be good. <clears throat> yeah. Also. Armand Sharukian is my dark horse in 155. Um, very, very high on this guy. So, yeah. you signed to see? Um, another fight announcement. Yeah, yeah. Um, another fight announcement. We got uh, Michelle Watterson versus Amanda Rebos. Um, for UFC Fight Night in March 26. So, uh, I don't know. It wasn't announced as a main event, but um, I think this is a great fight for Amanda Rebus. Um, stylistically, um, Watterson doesn't. I mean, she, I mean, she has a karate style, but she just doesn't have the power to put someone away like this. Maybe with the kick, but I mean, with how they're trying to build Amanda Rebus in this uh, strawweight division, um, I like this. I like this matchup a lot for uh, Rebus. So yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of. I've cooled down on Michelle Watterson. I don't know if she – I feel like things are kind of passing her up, you know. Um, I think we all thought, you know, she was going to maybe be a champ, maybe, you know. I don't know if you ever thought that. But I feel like there was a lot of hype around her a couple of years ago. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. You never know. I mean, you got someone like Dominic Cruz and yeah. Glover Texura and all these guys, you know, like <laughs> later in their careers and – doing these things and Jose Aldo doing, you know, making the adjustments he's made. So, I mean, she's, she's a bigger name in the female, you know, in the female realm of MMA for sure. So if she could figure it out and put it together. Yeah. Be cool. Yeah. Uh, last headline, the highly um, talked about prospect that the UFC just signed Finally got a fight. Mohamed uh, Makhev um, finally got his uh, UFC debut um, already booked for March 19th. That's the UK card that they're trying to book in in the UK. So, uh, he's yeah, he's got a fight versus Cody Durnden. And I think uh, Mohamed is like 29 and 0. Yeah, I was about to say, so, I was like, this, I was wondering I mean, if that was about, the guy. I was like, yeah, <laughs> This is the crazy record. This is outrageous. And he, yeah, and he's like what twenty, like young twenties, and he's already almost like thirty, you know. So, um, yeah, another guy from uh, Dagestan, of he's course. From Dagestan, um, I didn't realize that. So, so he probably he's probably in the yeah. same circles then. Same circles with Khabib. So, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of lot of hype on this guy right now and he's going to show what he's got uh March 19th versus a guy that I saw um I think it was the uh Misha Tate's last fight he was on that card uh Cody Durnden but that guy just has a face like I hate <laughs> like I just hate him I don't know him but he just has that face I just want to like punch but I don't know I'm going to look him up I got to even picture his face I got to look him up. He's a dislikable he just has a like dislike <laughs> dislikable face. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean that does it for uh fight news and fight announcements. Uh keep kept it real short, but um we have the last card of the year. We got um this Saturday, uh December eighteenth. We got the Black Beast, uh Derek Lewis fighting Uh, Chris Dacus. Um, this is a very, very random fight, I yeah, thought. But, um, so I'm not going to talk too much about this main event because I think the Black Beast should handle business. Um, but I want to talk about this co-main that was just announced like two weeks ago. Uh, Wonder Boy yeah. versus Bilal Muhammad is the kill main for this card. Um, a big fight in the welterweight division. Um, we're both very high on, uh, Stephen boy, uh, Stephen Thompson. So I think he, I think he makes light yeah, work of so Bilal too, Muhammad. Man. I, I got nothing against Bilal, but it's wonder boy. Wonder boy is tough for anybody. And just seeing the way wonder boy or, uh, Bilal handled, got handled by Leon, you know, regardless of how you feel about how that fight ended still, come on. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> Leon was giving him the work. You know how I feel. I made it, I made it known on this podcast that I was okay with that stoppage. But, um, <clears throat> I mean, I think in order for Bilal to win, he needs to do what Gilbert Burns did, which I, and I don't know if he can or if he will. But the, I guess the worst thing you could do is try to, try to out, um, I guess, out technical him which is sounds completely wrong to say it that way. But if you're going to try to stand there and strike with Wonder Boy, it's going to be a long night, really long night. So <clears throat> I got Wonder Boy. I'll be shocked. I'll be yeah. shocked. Yeah, he same loses. here. I got, I got, yeah, I got Wonder Boy as well. Um, so that wraps up the episode UFC 269 recap. But I kind of want to just tell everyone who listens to their, our MMA episodes. So – the last episode, we will be recapping the this last card for the year. But I think we will cut down the recap, and we will mm-hmm. just recap the whole year. Um, we'll just talk about our favorite moments of the year. Um, and then I'm going to do a new thing um, with all these, like, with every, like, uh, episode that we end on, like, to end the year. I'm going to ask Triton, and we'll ha- I'll, I'll give my list out, too, but... Uh, we'll give our list out of new champions we think we will be crowned in the new year. So, yeah, I'm sure no, Trent will do his homework, homework on that. Yeah, I don't mind um, spending the time on trying to figure that out. So, heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, because 2021, we got four new champions in the UFC. So, we're going to predict our champions for the next year, who will be crowned. So, uh, just stuff like that. It'll be a fun um just wrapping up the end of the year for us in the MMA episode. So, yeah. Anything oh, else yeah. you want to say, Trident, before I'm, uh, we close out? Yeah, I'm going to do my homework. That end of the year podcast we're going to do. I'll probably uh, do some superlatives of my own. Maybe do some uh, what I think Fire of the Year is and all that stuff. Probably do, do something like that. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll come up with a, a nice outline and finish the – the last episode of the of the year strong and yeah um but thanks for listening thanks for tuning in this whole year uh me and trying always appreciate any views or any listens that we get on these mma episodes so um uh, thanks for growing with us and tune in next week for the last episode and yeah keep it a buck <laughs>